All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us here on another episode of Dropping the Gloves coming at you on a Monday morning. Tim's here. Our guest might show up. I don't know. Good friend, friend of the show, Steve McIntyre, shoot me a shot me a text message yesterday, said he's fired up about Bruce Boudreaux. So we're gonna soldier on if Steve shows up. So be it. If not, we get, the show goes on, Tim. Can't wait around for Steve. So how are you doing, Tim? What's going on? Oh, I'm good, John. Happy Monday. How was your weekend? It was great. I just had an interesting situation happen. Have you ever, this is more for the men of the listeners of the show. So not me. That you're was, a, you're a you're man making? in my eyes. No, we got a lot of female listeners. So I, yeah. demographically, we're broad spectrum. Have you ever been using the restroom? You know, you line up your shot. It's like a basketball hoop. And say, like, boom, let it go. And it's just an air ball and it completely misses, misses the net. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Are you picking Why up what I'm talking down? about this? Does this ever happen to you? Because it just happened to me. I'm just like, I've done it a million times and I'm just like, it's on the floor. Like what's going on here? How does this happen? Next thing I know I'm mopping up stuff. It's just, it's funny how it's like the most normal thing I do Multiple times a day is use the restroom. Number one, it's like, what, what is going on here today? So I was just, just didn't know if I was the only one, if that happens to you sometimes. I think you're the only one that tells thousands of people about it. Probably millions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's just, so it does happen to you. Yeah, of course. But I don't, why are we talking about this? Well, cause it just happened to me. Like I, I like to, cause sometimes during the show, I like, I have, I get stuck. I'm like, I got to go to the restroom. I got to go to the washroom. And like, I have to sprint out after the podcast and I end it early. I'm like, we're going to no, have an interview. What? More what? and more lately. More and more lately. I think it's because you turn 40 and all of a sudden you can't go an hour without going to the bathroom. And so we're taking breaks. You're leaving during when we have guests on. It's only I did it's leave. Slippery slope. <laughs> I left for versus Morrissey. I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I think I went and took a nap. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. But anyways, it's just funny. My wife and my kids are like, what are you doing? Gross. So anyways, we're going to soldier on without Steve McIntyre. There's lots to talk about. Obviously, the thing he wanted to come on is the Bruce Boudreaux firing. Everybody knew it was going to happen. Nobody knew when. Everybody had a good idea. Rick Tockett 
He was the new coach in waiting. Everybody knew the secret that the Vancouver Canucks were trying to hide. It was just the worst kept secret in hockey. You fire Bruce Boudreaux, but you don't fire him. You already have his replacement ready to take over the reins of the team, but you have to wait because Rick Tockett was working for the NHL network, right? It was the NHL network, Tim. Yeah. No, no, TNT. TNT, excuse me. So he's, he has this job in TV. He gives us two weeks. He has to wait two weeks. Then you can hire him on. You can't hire him while he's still working for a, a network that covers hockey. I'm guessing there's some rules against that. Anyways, he puts in his two weeks. Two weeks are up. They hire him yesterday. They fire Bruce Boudreaux. All is right in the world. Rick Tockett is announced as a new head coach for the Vancouver Canucks. Everybody's happy. Bruce goes on his way. That's all there is to it, right? Well, not so, not so fast. Everybody's pissed off at the Canucks. Everybody thinks they did Bruce dirty. They shouldn't have leaked the announcement. They shouldn't have hired Rick Tockett so hastily. They shouldn't have let Bruce play out the season. Optics aside, does Bruce Boudreaux deserve to be fired for this Vancouver Canucks team? I don't care how he got fired. I don't care. if it, it, it's, it's a terrible situation. Did he deserve to be fired, Tim, in your eyes? Uh, yeah, probably. You know, you could put it on the players too, but you've got three or four guys who are at or above a point per point per game. You've got some guys that are just still producing, even the Patterson, even the JT Miller is still having solid numbers. It's just, it's the group as a whole. It's obviously something's not working in the first place you look is the coach. And so, yeah, I think he probably deserved to be fired. I don't think that's really the concern. Um, did you give him enough of a runway? That that's my only thing because he comes in last year and he, he replaces Travis Green, who again, Vancouver has been a bad team for years and years and years. So he replaces Travis Green and resurrects this team. They go on a run, they win a ton of games, they're pushing for the playoffs. Everybody's excited. Bruce, there it is. Bruce, there it is. The city's in love with this guy. Then this season starts and they have the same old Vancouver Canucks start where they just struggle. Don't do you think maybe they pulled the plug too early? I this guy's a Hall of Fame coach, Tim. He's he's got a thousand games under his belt coaching. His winning percentage is 626. That's a good percentage for a coach above 500. I'll take it all day. Do you think they pulled the plug too early? Because I, I feel like he's not a bad coach, he's got a winning record in Vancouver. He's coached 100 games, he's 50 40. With 13 ties for the team that he has for the defense that he's trying to cobble together. It's not a bad record, but I guess if you're a team spending to the cap and you have high expectations, that's not the record you want to see. I know. Don't you see a situation where they just let him play out the year and give him another year under his belt? I don't know. I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I don't think it's his fault at all. I, I, I don't think the reason the Vancouver Canucks aren't playing well is him. I, I think it's strictly the players. They were the same team that played under Travis Green. The same results, different voice, different message, different way to play the game. The same results. Lack of effort, kind of turmoil within the room, no defensive structure whatsoever. Score a million goals, give up a million one. That's the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, uh, I don't know. And then you have your GM. And your president 
and the people who run the team saying, this is just the tip of the iceberg. We're going to blow this team up. This is not a minor problem. This is a major problem. Well, if it's a major problem, why not start with the players? Why just throw a grenade into the already terrible situation and switch out your coach? I, I just don't understand that, how they think, oh, we're going to replace a coach midseason and it's just going to make everything better. Did it work last year? Did it? Is the answer just to keep just switching out coaches? When has that ever worked in the history of time for all of sports? Where you can just all of a sudden switch a coach in and it just fixes everything. Everybody's like, oh, the St. Louis Blues did it. The St. Louis Blues did it. One one time. And St. Louis had a very good team. They weren't a dysfunctional team for the last five years. Four years. I don't know. I, I get why people are upset about this Bruce Boudreaux firing. Because A, it was dirty. Dirty, dirty, dirty how they did it. Bad management, top to bottom. B, hockey-wise, it doesn't make sense to me. As a player, it doesn't make sense to me. This isn't going to fix our team. We went through this last year. So now if I'm a rookie coming into this team, if I'm a Pedersen who's not a rookie anymore, but a younger guy on this Kuz, whatever is Kuz, Kuzmuzinov, whatever the Russians name it. I've had <laughs> three coaches. Kuzmenko. I've had three coaches now in two years. Is that making me better? Making me worse? I don't know. But you still think he should have been fired. Yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily his fault, but you've got to train something, and you don't really have a lot of tradable players. You've got one big piece that you can trade, a couple of smaller pieces, but Horvath's your chip, and you're waiting. You're holding that chip for as long as you can. You want to get the best possible deal. But like you said, this team, that I, I don't think we, we expected them to be a cup contender, but we all thought they would be better than this, especially the start. That's what JT Miller told us. So when they're struggling this much, you've got to change something. It's got to be the coach, especially when I, when I think about I don't know how much this had to do with their decision-making, but – They've got some serious culture locker room issues. There have been a lot of reports about it. It doesn't take just the eye test to notice that, but the frustration among the players, the smashing of the sticks, the bickering on the bench, the reports that are coming out of Vancouver. They've got some cultural things to, to fix. And I think Bruce Boudreau has a lot of strength. He's a very, very good coach. I don't think he's the right guy to fix that room. And I don't think, I think he would probably agree with that. Just the fact that they keep losing and things seem to keep getting worse. So I don't know if Tockett is that guy. He seems more, he's a more of a type A tougher personality than, than I think Bruce is. Although Bruce has that to his skill set too, but Tockett's, I don't know. I don't know that he's the right guy either. Time will tell, but you have to change it. Like what else, what else is there? And then if you wait until the off season or give them the start of next season to see how it goes, all you have to do is burn more time on these guys' contracts when a lot of players don't want to be back next year if they don't have to be. So I think, I think the time is right. I will go back to when you said they don't have any trade chips and disagree with you slightly. I think they had a lot, they have a lot of individual talents here that teams would really like to get their hands on. I, I really do. And that's where if you're Patrick Alvin, their GM, you have to make the decision now. Who am I going to build this team around? Who are the guys who are going to be here in five years that if we do turn it around, they'll be the the cornerstones of my franchise? <clears throat> the longest contract right now is JT Miller. Is he your guy? No, he's not your guy. On the back end. The second and third longest contracts right now are Quinn Hughes and Oliver Ekman Larson. Are those your guys? I think Quinn Hughes could be. He's a good piece. I like the way he plays the game. He has some work to do in some areas, but no, nobody's perfect. But he brings something that not a lot of players can bring. He's a swift, swift-footed, fleet-footed, puck-moving defenseman. I like the way he plays the game. Now, who's the guy up, up front, Tim, that you want to build your team around? Is it Besser? Is it Pedersen? 
Garland, Mackey have nobody. Is this team going to be Hughes and Pedersons? Do you see that happening? Or is it just, I know he stated Pedersons the only guy that's untouchable. I, th- I think that's what he said. Is that the right decision? I don't know. If, if it's me and I'm the GM, I'm building my team around Bo Horvat, the one guy they haven't re-signed. To me, he's the only one who has those intangibles that I like, that I can build this team around. I know JT Miller's been on the show, friend of the show, two times. I don't like the way JT's acted this year. I don't know if I want to build my team around that guy, but I've got him locked in until 2030, so maybe I'm stuck with him. So maybe it's him and Pedersen and Hughes and everybody else must go. And we just start from scratch. I got Thatcher Demko. He's a good goaltender. But to go back to your point of no no pieces, I think you could find us a home for Brock Besser. I think you could find a home for Garland, Makiev, you know, these types of players. Tyler Myers, someone could take a flyer on him. I don't think the cupboard's as bare as you think it is. They have some very, very high-end talent that teams are going to be chomping at the bit to get. Maybe you might not get top dollar, you know, on all of them. They're not all going to be a Bo Horvat who's got an expiring contract. He's only making 5.5 this year. Teams are going to give him maybe a first and a prospect. Maybe you trade Tyler Myers for a second rounder. You know what I mean? Maybe you trade Connor Garland for a a lower tier prospect in a second rounder, but you get his money off the books and you start again. You just press reset on this whole franchise. You start over with Pedersen. You start over with Hughes. And that's all. That's all you can do at this point. This team doesn't work, Tim. The way it's constructed. I don't care how many head coaches you throw out there. It's not going to work. These guys don't like each other. Pedersen's rolling his eyes at everybody on the bench because he thinks he knows better. And I like how Pedersen's played this year. I do. He's somewhat physical. He's throwing his body around. He's putting up points. And the best thing is he's keeping his mouth shut. He's not saying anything. That's the best thing you can do right now if you're a Vancouver Canuck. Just just say nothing. Say nothing at all. But I know. There was a- What's there? Go ahead. Well, there's a great quote. Again, again, this weekend, uh, JT Miller slamming his stick on the bench and yelling at people. It happened again. And two seats over is Patterson. You just look, he looks over and just like drops his head, rolls his eyes. And I don't want to like, you, you could just frame it into like ju- pulling all kinds of judgment out of one little interaction. But it seems like those two guys are just not getting along and they're all frustrated with each other. If I were to play like this is armchair GM with 2020, you know, vision, it's it's uh, hindsight 2020. You go into the year, you don't sign JT Miller, you let both Miller and Horvat go, you trade Besser and you build around Pedersen and Hughes. For the future, you're free of all kinds of cap room. Those are the two guys I want. I got my guy up front. They still have like like the uh, Pod Colsons of the world. They got some young players to build around, and you let them you let the money walk. And I think you say this is not the group to get us where we need to go. You move on. You, you set back and you reset a little bit. Obviously, they can let they can let they can trade Besser. They can let Horvat go. They they're stuck with JT Miller. Uh, Connor Garland also is a, is a guy who they're, they're rumored to um, buy him out. Buy out, yeah. And so, what do you do with that? JT Miller signed eight million dollars a year for seven years. Trivia question: Has there ever been a player who's been bought out that hasn't made it to his contract yet? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah, this is, I don't know. This is a high probability that that will happen. His contract kicks in next year. Eight million dollars for eight years. There's a good chance he doesn't step foot on the ice for the Vancouver Canucks during that contract. <laughs> That's so amazing. That's amazing. But yeah, this, this, and we're not even getting into just the whole ethical issue of this. 
just firing somebody and then making him work in his position for two weeks, knowing that the the guillotine is hanging above your head. He had two goodbyes in a row in Vancouver where he's like tearing up on the bench. Yeah. And the fans are cheering him, standing ovation. We love you, Bruce. You know, we love you. And then they just fight. So it's just a terrible situation. I don't know how the fans will react with Rick Tockett. Does he get booed his first game? Well, that's what we were saying, too, is like Tockett's coming in. He's the bad guy now. He's the villain for replacing beloved Bruce, who got mistreated. But Tockett hasn't done anything wrong, right? In this this scenario, anyway, he accepted a job offer for an NHL team. He gave his notice that he was supposed to give. He didn't break the news. I don't I don't know what happened behind closed doors, but I don't think talk is the bad guy here. It's the ownership. But I think, yeah, people are going to be frustrated with him. And maybe he does get booed. Maybe he I don't know. I don't know. I know he's a player's coach, right? The guys are going to love him. The guys will love him. And yeah, this is, again, a lose lose situation. When you look at Tockett's numbers as a coach, he, he did a tough, tough starting gig with Arizona and he had a good run with them. He really did. You know, he coached him to a 500 record for a team that had no business being that good. He went to Tampa Bay. He started in Tampa Bay. Played, you know, okay. Coached okay. Didn't really have as much talent as they do now. That was back in 08, 09, you know, 9, 10 when I was back in the league for Pete's sake. But I think they boo him. I think they boo him. And he's not going to win. I don't think this is the same situation as last year when Boudreaux came in and everybody was just ready for a change. Everybody wanted Travis green to go. He had worn out his welcome. Bruce came in. It was a breath of fresh air. This is a situation where everybody's pissed off. Still nobody's like, Oh, we got a new coach. Finally, the players hate each other. They don't want to come to the rink. Everybody's on pins and needles because of the whole fiasco with the firing. You know, Rick Tockett has to come in and be like, Hey boys, you know, uh, let's, let's get after it. It's such a bad situation. How does this turn out good? Well, it, it's hard to see. Let me just go back for a minute to that to the 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 contract stuff because I saw this great tweet. Just going back to the trade from 2021 where they got OEL and Connor Garland from Arizona, and they gave up Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, first round pick, second round pick, seventh round pick. The idea was to like dump all these bad contracts take on a couple of guys who are making big money, but would make their team better. Like they knew they were taking on OEL and Garland that were making a nice chunk of chain, but good players at the time. Garland was coming off, I think his best season to, to date. And now we're talking two potential buyouts, two guys that are worth way more than what you're giving them. And all the salary dump that you were trying to get rid of, those contracts are expired. Those guys, they'd be off your books now anyway. And that first round pick that you gave up, ended up being a top 10 pick Dylan Gunther, who's just going to light the world on fire in Arizona. It's just a disaster. So you can go that far back and then look at the signings. And then remember that the whole thread I read last week from just what happened last weekend, like yeah. it's embarrassing. And I, I see the reactions of, of the Canucks fans on Twitter and social media. They're embarrassed. And I would be too. They should be. This is a, it's a terrible situation. The good thing is they'll be out of the news quick. This will happen. He'll become a coach. He already is the coach, Rick. He'll coach a couple games. Everybody will critique him. Maybe they win one, lose two. They're they're not going to make the playoffs. Remember I said a couple weeks ago that the one team that I think could sneak in in the West would be Vancouver just because they have the talent. There's no Mm -hmm. way anymore. There's no way. There is no. Well, there is a way. I'm not going to pull a wall that Waddell and say the Bengals have 0% chance. There's always a chance, but gosh, as a player, 
it's so hard to just put that stuff aside and just go out and skate. Cause some of these guys like Bruce Boudreaux, I'm assuming some of them were really, you know, receptive to the way he coached. Pedersen's having a career year this year. You think he wanted the coaching change? I don't know. I don't know how that locker room works. It doesn't seem like everybody's happy, but it's it's very difficult. Maybe they get a little bump, like I've said before, the first six, seven games go well, then it's just back to Tanksville. Everybody's back to their normal way they play the game. The norms start coming out. I don't know. It's just, it's too bad. This is a great uh, franchise. To add on to the embarrassment, so Cockett's going to make $2.75 million for two seasons to end of 2025, but they're still paying Boudreaux $2 million this season, and they're still paying Travis Green $2.75 million this season. Wow. They've just made bad business decision after bad business decision, not just the hockey and the X's and other stuff. The guys in the ice aren't producing. The guys in the front office are making poor decisions. I mean, it's entertaining. It's fun. Like, what can go wrong with the Canucks this week? But at what point does where does all this go? And I know you asked that same question a few minutes ago. What is this? Where does it go? I don't know. Well, you're almost stuck in this loop, and I and I don't want to spend. I guess we're, we're spending a lot of time on it, but you're almost stuck in this loop where, okay, we we have a we have a good team. We have pieces. Okay, we got Pedersen. He's 24 years old. We have to take advantage of this. We have him at a reasonable contract for the next two years. We got to win now. Okay, we got Quinn Hughes. He's locked up to, you know what I mean? And you just keep doing the same thing with the, without someone just saying, stop it. Stop. We're a bad team. You know what I mean? Someone who can just see the bigger picture and come in and say, you guys, we haven't made the playoffs. The only reason we made it in was a lockout year and they let everybody in. Other than that, we haven't made the playoffs in five years. We're a bad hockey team. But then you look at your pieces and go, oh, my gosh, we got Besser. We got Garland. We got JT Miller sign up. We got Pedersen. We got this guy, Hughes and Larson and Myers. And it's like, stop it. You're a bad hockey team. You're finishing the bottom 10 every year. Clean house. And they won't because they're, they're just caught in this terrible spin cycle of we win a few games. Oh, there's hope. Let's go all in. And then they stink in the beginning. The Sabres were in that spin cycle. I think they're out of it where they just finally just said, okay, we're going to do it the right way. They didn't sign anybody this offseason. They went out, they retooled, and look, you can see you can see the promise for the Sabres. It's not going to be this year. It'll be in a few years. Vancouver can't face reality. They're a bad hockey team. They're a bad hockey team with a lot of good players on it. But players don't make a team. So it'll be interesting if they just continue to do this they got a new coach Pedersen's gonna have a career year it'll be different next year though Tim that's what they're saying that's that's the stupid thing about the Vancouver Canucks that's what Patrick Alvin's saying that's what Jimmy Rutherford's saying okay we got rid of Bruce it'll be different next year for sure you know this year we can't do it again we've done it the last four years dummies it's gonna happen again so I'm all out on the Canucks now I was all in two weeks ago I'm all out now they've just ruined me Tim any other thing you want to touch on with the Vancouver Canucks or should we move on to something else? No, just my last, you know, concern or thought is what does Bruce do next? Does he go and take a job at TNT? Is he going to broadcasting or does he go and retire or does he go hang out with his wife? You know what? I wonder what he does now. I met Bruce. I actually, I made the all-star game in 2016. Um, a long time ago. I met him at one of the parties and I went up to him. We were in line for a drink. And I was like, hey, you know, nice to meet you. 
Love the way you coach. He's the sweetest man. The absolute sweetest man you could ever meet. And um, well, why would you take another coaching job right now? I think he goes. He's still getting paid by these guys. I don't know how long of a contract he signed with them. I think just this year. Yeah. Just this year. He's making two. Tim, that's so much money. <laughs> I know. I was uh, I was amazed. I was on my wife's Facebook last night. And she's friends with all the wives and stuff. And Dave Tippett's wife, Wendy, showed a picture of their house. I'm just like, holy moly. Like, it's a palace. Like, an absolute palace. So these coaches are just, they make a ton of money. They make more than players. He's almost 72. Is he? He's 68. At what point did you just stop? You know what I mean? Just, like, why? It's a stressful job. The hours are terrible. You just love the game, I guess. Because the guy's got to have, he has to have $30 million, you think? Maybe more? Do they do career earnings for coaches? He's been coaching forever. You know, this isn't his first rodeo. He started in 2007 as a head coach. He was assistant coaches after that. He played in the NHL for years. So I don't know. He's got to have a ton of money just sitting in a bank. I, if I was Bruce, I'd just go. Go and enjoy yourself. You coached one of the best goal scorers ever. You got to move around. You played coach for Anaheim. Just go. Just just go and enjoy yourself. But I, these guys are addicted to it, Tim. They're addicted to it. How much is, how much is he worth? Uh, I can't find it. I'll keep looking. Nice. We got a crack system here on dropping the gloves of finding information. It's beautiful. <laughs> Can you just Google Bruce? Yeah. Money dollar it doesn't, sign. It doesn't show this. I'm on cap friendly. It doesn't show the same way. A lot of these are unknown. So, all right, anyway. let's move on to another team who's coming, much like the Vancouver Canucks, who are coming to a, a reckoning at the end of this season. A team that is coming to a reckoning with two high end players is the Detroit Red Wings. Their captain Dylan Larkin, and arguably their best player Tyler Bertuzzi. He brings a whole bunch to this team are going to be unrestricted free agents this offseason. Steve Eiserman is known as a very shrewd GM. He doesn't throw money around. When you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, not one bad contract on the roster when he was there. When you look at these Detroit Red Wings, the guys that he signed, Andrew Kopp, 5.6, reasonable number. Ben Sherratt, 4.75, reasonable number for a defenseman of his ilk. Robbie Fabry, $4 million, not overspending. David Perron, 4.75. Dylan Larkin is hitting his prime at 26 years old. He's a captain in this league. He's a multi-time all-star in this league. Not an incredible goal scorer. He's good for 70 points, I could say, a year. Having a very good year this year, 41-44. The guy's going to want, what, Tim, $8 million, you would assume? $9 million? What do the Red Wings well, do at the deadline here? I think you have to you have to sign him. Um, you don't have to. You I trade you him. Do. Well, first of all, I can't believe that he's only twenty six years old. Feels like he's been around forever. I know he came in really young, but wow, I've been the captain for for years. Um, the The Red Wings are building something, and he's a big part of that. And he's still young. I'm sure he's going to sign for more money, but they have money to spend. And what are you going to go and get that's that's better than Dylan Larkin right now anyway, who already knows the system, who's loved by the franchise, who's loved by the city? He's your guy. He's, he's a guy that you're building on going forward. Is he 
he can't be your top producer. You obviously need more talent. I think Bertuzzi could be a guy that they, they move on from. You got to bring in more help for, for Dylan Larkin. And we haven't seen some of their younger players quite develop as quickly as, as we've seen in other franchises like Ottawa, like um, Buffalo that we have seen with, with, with Detroit's prospects. So I think they will start spending some money, but if you're building something, if you're Stevie, why Dylan Larkin right at the middle of it? You think so? Why wouldn't you? I, I just feel like if, if they were in a win now, we will win the cup in the next five years. That would be the case. I don't feel like the Red Wings are there yet. I think they'll be competitive next year. Maybe they push for the playoffs next year. And then the next two or three years, maybe they start to build up. I still think they're six years away from being a really big Stanley Cup contender. I do. That's just a sense I get from this team. And it's who do you build your team around? Are you going to have Dylan Larkin? Because he's going to want a seven or eight year contract that puts him at 34 when it's done. I I don't know. You have to have a little bit of foresight here. And I think Stevie walks from him. I don't think he gives him eight, nine, ten million dollars. I think that would be an overpay for when they get into the competitive years of this team. Yes, it might be a good deal for the next three. Do you see this team being a competitive team in the next three years? Well, with this current roster makeup, no. And with even with the prospects and the development of their players, no. But like I said, they've got, they're going to have money to spend. Right now, they're spending uh, the, below the cap space. They've got uh, five million and almost eight, uh, six million to spend. But like Pius Suter is going to be off the books. Oscar Sunquist is going to be off the books. Adam Ernie is going to be off the books. Tyler Bertuzzi is going to get off the books. That's more than $10 million right there. Not to mention all of their defense. Oli Mata, Oosterly, Jake Wallman, who's really good. I've been seeing a lot of his highlights lately. These, So they're going to have a lot of choices and flexibility to go and get their guys, which I think you thought they would do last year. Um, I remember they thought, like, they got money to spend. They're going to make a big splash. They didn't quite. They signed a couple of guys, like a Kublik like uh, Perron, like Andrew Kopp. I think they're building the supplemental players. They're still missing some high-end. I mean, how many top six forwards do they have on this team right now? One? Well, it, it's maybe? tricky because David Perron plays like a top six forward, but he's never treated as one. But right now, I think you got Larkin. He, he's your guy at this point. Lucas Raymond will be there. Oh, yeah, think, no, he's there. Yeah, he's, he's there. there. So you got, you got Raymond, you got Larkin, you got Bertuzzi when he's not hurt. So th- those three guys are legit top six guys. And then David Perron can play with top six guys. He's proven it throughout his career. So I'll give you four. Fabry, maybe, you know, but I, I just I I wanted to believe in this team coming into this season. They're a great team. They're playing well. They're playing good, good hockey. But I just don't see them contending in the next three years. So to me. That would be a mistake to sign up to a long-term deal. That's all. All right, I got to pause. Daniel has an emergency. So I got I got to call her real quick. Well, that does it for me, Tim. I don't know what we were talking about. Something. I can't remember. We're, we're talking about I something. Had a, I had a mini emergency. The wife's tire's flat. I thought we had a good show. Steve McIntyre just texted me, said he's ready to come on. But we were going to have to pause it. I got to go save my wife. We had a good run. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Anything to add, Tim? No. Take care of business. We'll see you on Wednesday. You know, aim for the middle of the bowl, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 